0: podcast new york what's up dueling decades this is wax peace to all you guys and uh thanks for having me on the show will it be the 90s or the 80s beanie babies or crack babies will it be
1: nirvana or madonna maybe britney maybe whitney do you like new metal or new wave dave Grohl
0: or super dave i don't know but now the battle begins dueling
1: decades Let's see who wins. Dueling Decades. Broadcasting from the Podcast New York Studios, it's the adult-only retro game show where the decades battle for supremacy. Because it's your history, we just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. I am Mark James, and bottoms up, because this week we bring you a bodacious booze battle. I'll be representing the alcohol of 1981 alongside these other duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off, throwing one back for the 70s, say hello to Man Crush.
2: Yeah, all the way back to 1971, booze of 1971. And this is something we never say on this show, but it's said on a lot of shows.
1: What are you guys drinking tonight? Well, myself, Man Crush, I have a little bit of Canadian Hunter Whiskey. Ooh, that oh, sounds so shit. good. Is that neat or mixed? Uh, on the rocks. Oh, very nice. What about you, Drew? Uh,
0: I'm drinking water because uh, I am doing a dry January like a dipshit.
1: Worst <laughs> idea ever.
2: <laughs> what timing?
1: Perfect time for a booze yep. battle.
2: Yep. And, Bob, what do you got? I saw I saw a can before. I got
1: a
3: Colt 45 Double Malt. Ooh, that looks good. This, this nice. is good stuff.
2: All, nothing but class. Yeah. I got Tito's. Tito's and some, uh, some mixed
1: iced tea. Nice. Because I don't have anything to mix it with. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Also joining us on the panel and pouring one out for the 90s, it's the professor, Drew Zachman.
0: Yep. I have the booze from
1: 1991. So I am... Uh, pretty stoked about that. That was a good year. And as always here on the show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. This week's guest judge and resident expert on all things distilled and chilled is the host of Bumming with Bobcat. All rise for Judge Bum Wine Bob. All right. All right. All right. Thank you guys for having me on here.
3: I am pumped and ready to have some more drinks and have some fun and get the games, get the games going.
2: He's got a Colt forty five double mall. I mean we're we're yeah. in for some good shit tonight. <laughs> yeah. And and I got a and I got a
3: regular Colt forty five to, to back it up for, for next. So, so I'm ready. I'm ready to go here. I like how he's prepared. He's got a backup already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm in it for a long haul, guys. You know, if this goes hours on end, uh we, we got we got reserves.
2: what's the tertiary? Where where do you go after the other one's gone?
3: Yeah. I mean, I got more in the fridge. I'll just have to get up and walk away. So
1: don't worry. There's more in the house. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. A judge's coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And in the event of a tie, after all five rounds, we shall go to a final wild card round. Remember, duelers, to review the show. Listen, subscribe, and play along at home. It's time for more Dueling Decades. All right, let's go right down to our guest judge for this episode, <laughs> Bumwine Bob, for the coin toss. <laughs> All right, guys, we, we're going standard issue, keeping
3: it simple. We got a, a <laughs> 1986. I tried to find one that would match one of the years we were covering, but this was the closest <laughs> we got, you know, heads and tails. You, you've all seen it before. So I guess um, who's, who's, who's calling it? Drew can call it. I'm calling it. All right. I'll go tails.
1: All right. Heads it is. Heads is the winner. All right, man crush. You won the coin toss, and you take control of the board. Means you get to select our first category.
2: Oh boy! Now, normally with a normal episode, I know exactly where I'm gonna go. I have no idea because it's 1971 and it's booze. Uh, let's begin with television. Let's go back to uh, 1971, and as much as I like, I wanted to pick All in the Family here because it debuted in January of 1971. They didn't drink anything on that episode, so (laughs) I, I, well, I guess I could have went through everything else, but why not look at what beer commercials were available in 1971? So I came across this article about old hams beer and their (laughs) new ad campaign. Uh, Bob's already making noises. Uh, (laughs) When when I lived in California, we used to drink hams from time to time. It kind of, it reminds me of barracks living. Uh, It's definitely a bargain beer but it's probably I haven't had it in years because I don't sell it too much around me here, but it's probably the best tasting cheap beer that I've ever had. Would you concur with that? Or like, I heard that noise. Was that a good or bad thing? That, no,
3: that, that was good. That was a good <laughs> noise. I, I, I got, I got hams in the fridge downstairs. So all right, excellent.
2: Yeah. The,
3: it's ready. The closest
2: place I can get it from. I have to drive to PA. I actually looked on their website today after I was doing this. I was like, I haven't had hams in like probably year, like 10 years. It's sure shit. The closest place is like thirty minutes away. I'm not driving all that for. Uh... It is cheap though. I think you could buy like a thirty pack for like twenty bucks or some crazy shit like that.
3: No, even even cheaper than that. I got <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. I get thirty thirty pack for fifteen dollars. Uh, yeah, I got a thirty pack of hams light in PA, just outside of Hershey, and I think it was. Thirteen ninety nine for a thirty pack of hands. Like. Good right, lord! So, and it's much yeah, better than yeah. the
2: cheap ship beer. It's better than like Beast, I would say. Oh yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah definitely. Same yeah.
2: price point, but better. But anyhow, like, mm-hmm. so this article I have here, title of the article is Laurel and Hardy back in ads. Uh, two gentlemen, long since dead, just maybe in the next hot wave of television commercials. Their names, Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy. One can almost say that there is a Laurel and Hardy. Renaissance, except for the fact that the rubber face stand and the rotund Ollie have been away for quite a while. The millions of who of children in the thirties enjoying them in movie theaters now join their children in laughing in the same antics on television. And now there's a Ham's beer commercial seen on TV in the Western United States where the beer is marketed. This is a skillfully edited silent routine in which the boys walk into a bar and Stan asks for a beer and the bartender. And it's, uh, of course it's silent. So you have the screen titles and you can see this one on uh, YouTube. If you go and look it up, he says a beer is a beer. And Stan replies, uh, in silent print whereupon he receives the classic aspirated shove from Ollie, a conventional hams beer pitch follows. And, uh, the whole article goes on, I guess they were in a couple other ads. They were using like, uh, there's reels and reels of Lauren Hardy footage that was just never used. So all these companies were using it in the early seventies to make these ads. Ham's just happened to be the first one to do it. So that's what we got. We got Laurel and Hardy coming back, doing some Ham's beer commercials. The good cheap beer.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> got to make sure you preface it that way. The good, the good cheap beer. There's the bad cheap beer. Then there's the good cheap beer. It's true. All right, Drew Zachman. What did you bring for the television round?
0: All right, so one of my favorite movie characters of all time, this guy can handle his, his liquor like a boss. And his drink of choice is usually a vodka martini shaken, not stirred. And while a few great actors have played this character, the best to play it was Sir Sean Connery. And I also believe cirrhosis of the Liver is James Bond's biggest arch nemesis. Uh, anyway, I'm talking about not James Bond himself, but his nephew, James Bond Jr., the animated series, which began on September 30th, 1991. Now, the whole premise is basically while attending prep school, Bond Jr., along with his friends IQ, who is the grandson of Q. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but Q was kind of the uh, the guy that would come up with all these cool gadgets for Bond. And Gordo Leiter, who was the son of Felix Leiter, who was one of Bond's friends. I think he was in either the FBI or CIA. Uh, so basically, they all helped bond jr fight against the evil terrorist organization scum which stands for saboteurs and criminals united in mayhem which is awesome and uh there was quite a bit you know built off the bond jr they had a comic book series by marvel comics published in 92 they had video games on the nintendo and super nintendo as well as a board game and a toy line and uh the series ran from september 30th 1991 until march 2nd 1992 so they had a really good long run there and um, that's pretty much it. Anyway, James Bond Jr. with the tie-in of his uh, alcoholic uncle.
2: <laughs> I have to ask, were they drinking in this cartoon? No.
3: He's, they were a, too he's young to category. drink. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
3: <laughs> but his uncle. <laughs> a famous drinker, his yes.
0: uncle. Yeah, Once this kid is old enough, guarantee you, he's going to be an alcoholic as well.
2: Oh, man. You know what they say about Assumption, right?
0: (laughs) I I know
1: all things Bond. He's going to be an alcoholic. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, for my television selection, we're going to go over to Wednesday, September 23rd, 1981, at 4.30 in the afternoon for the 10th season premiere of the ABC After School Specials. And this episode is entitled, She Drinks a Little. 16-year-old Cindy Scott, played by Dueling Decades favorite, Amanda Weiss, and her younger brother, Brett, gradually wise up to their single mother, Miriam's drinking problem. And the mother is played by Bonnie Bartlett. She was in V and Twins. Cindy wonders if she should join Alatine for help and a few tip-offs that she should occur when her mother gets drunk at a teacher's open house and becomes violent towards her own daughter when she tries to escort her out and then later on when Cindy brings her new boyfriend to the house only to find her mom passed out on the living room floor. Cindy later finds out that her new boyfriend's parents are actually alcoholics themselves so he tries to get her into Alatine meeting and she insists that her mom doesn't have a problem at all only to have it all come crashing down when her mother's attempts to go sober fail horribly. And uh, she turns up at Cindy's opening night at the school play where she she drunkenly crashes the stage when they're taking their final bows to bring her some flowers. Cindy finally realizes that she can't make her mom stop drinking and that her mom must take the first step for herself. So that's what I got for the television round, the ABC after-school special. She drinks a little. September twenty third, nineteen eighty one.
0: That's such a great title for that.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. so-
1: sounds sounds like she drinks a lot
0: more
3: than more than a little. You know, I mean, like-
1: it's only on the weekdays.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so let's toss it down to Bumwine Bob for the verdict on the television round. Oh
3: wow, it's uh, you guys all had some some great choices there. Um, I mean. After school specials, you know, you, you can't go wrong giving the dangers of drinking and drugs to to children <laughs> all over the world. Um, and then Drew with the with the James Bond's nephew, but I I got to give it to Man Crush and the Hams. I mean, that that speaks to me. <laughs> you know, classic beer commercials, right up my alley. And when it's a favorite of mine, I give this round to to Man Crush. Ooh
2: was not expecting to pull
1: one out with hands, (laughs)
2: but I'll take it.
1: All right, Man Crush, you're first on the board, but more importantly, you take control of that board and get to select our very next category.
2: Let's, uh, shit, where do I go? This is like the hardest part of the whole game with these genre-based. Uh, let's go music. Let's get this one out. Usually it's been a two-pointer recently but let's put it in the one point rounds here so let's go october 23rd 1971 and you know honestly i thought back in 1971 there would be all kinds of songs about booze but i had a hard time finding them a lot more songs about drugs not so much booze uh anyways this guy right here though he's pretty much synonymous for both so it's kind of a win-win uh this particular album it's this legend's 13th album if you put all of his albums together, that's like solo collaborations, live albums, etc cetera. He's got well over 100 albums. So as you can see, we're talking about like musical royalty here, uh, particularly country. But he's one of those guys that supersedes the genre. You know what I'm talking about? Like he's what we like to call an icon. So that, that's where <laughs> we're going with this one. Uh, so who better to record country music's second concept album? Uh, the man himself, Willie Nelson. Uh, and most places online will tell you that this is the first country concept album. But actually, Willie did another one in 1968 called Texas My Soul. So actually, I don't know why they don't count that one. So technically, this is the second. But they everywhere says this is the first. Whatever. Uh, but at this point in his career, like things were up and down. He had 12 albums under his belt at this point. But nothing that was insanely successful. Kind of hard to hear about Willie Nelson. But really, at that point, he really wasn't that big of an act. Uh, he was basically in financial ruin at this point in his life. He'd gone through a divorce. He lost a bunch of his money. He put it up in tours that he invested in. He didn't make that back. So by 1971, this guy had a lot to talk about.
0: Sounds like a country song.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> yeah. where it's going. In his second autobiography. Yes, this guy is so awesome that he has more than one autobiography. But in his second one, he talks about showing up in Nashville, record his new album, 1971, in a few days, he writes nine songs, spends two more days recording them in the studio. I mean, shit that people do these days does not compare to the stuff that they did back in the day. You look at 1971, like the amount of work that had to go into that. And this guy knocked it out in like, you know, a week or whatever. But basically, Willie picked up his bags, he went to Nashville, and he just slayed. So, I mean, that's pure talent. He wrote from the heart about the his life as the imperfect man it's pretty deep stuff about a man who dies and watches his funeral and he recants all the things he had done in his life just like wine like some wines get better with age others just lose their flavor and that leads me to this the album would fail the chart uh, but the title track yesterday's wine would reach number 62 on the hot Country songs chart 11 years later matter of fact merle haggard and george jones covered that exact same song And it hit number one on the U.S. Hot Country Songs chart. (laughs) Go fucking figure. Uh, But RCA, they ended up dumping him almost right after this album. They basically told him this entire album was a pile of shit, and he wasn't going to amount to anything, and his music was... Nobody wanted to listen to it. Well, uh, he leaves. He goes inside with Atlantic Records and becomes one of the top-selling musicians on the entire label. So uh, good job, RCA. Uh, Well done. (laughs) But we have... uh, willie nelson and yesterday's wine you guys know this one right yesterday's
0: Wine. no i do not know this <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man it's uh it's probably one of those songs that you've heard like while you're at the supermarket playing very low in the background <laughs> it, it is a popular song it just wasn't popular back then which a lot of his older stuff was like that that's where i went for this one
1: all right drew zachman what did you bring for the music round 1991 was a ridiculous year for music. And
0: I think you can make an argument that may have been the best year ever. I think for me personally, maybe 1994 might be my favorite year for music, but talk about 1991. And instead of the, you know, the black album from Metallica or nevermind or 10, I'm talking about one album that isn't exactly in the mainstream here necessarily. And this band's kind of divisive. I feel like you either like them or hate them, which I can understand personally. I like them a lot, but that's just me. But, this album is from a band with probably the best bass player ever. And no, I'm not talking about Flea, although he is amazing. I am talking about the incomparable Mr. Les Claypool. And the album I'm talking about is Sailing the Seas of Cheese. And it's a great album if you've never heard it. Uh, it came out May 14th, 1991, and it was their second studio album. Now, uh, this Primus album, it's it's good. Like I said, American Life is awesome. So is those damn Blue Collar Tweakers. Tommy the Cat and Jerry was a race car driver. Now, the booze tie in here. dug deep on this one, but luckily I know all the lyrics to this song because it's a great song. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but whatever. Uh, Jerry was a race car driver. It talks about a race car driver named Jerry who never came in first, but he also never came in last. However, at the end of the song, Claypool says, Jerry was a race car driver, 22 years old, had one too many cold beers one night and wrapped himself around a telephone pole. So there is the <laughs> there's the booze time. And also, uh, we here at Dueling Decades greatly frown upon drinking and driving. So please stay safe, everybody. But anyway, Jerry was a race car driver. It's Primus' actually most streamed song on Spotify with over 35 million really? streams. And uh, this song also appeared on the X-Game soundtrack. And in this song, there is a sound clip from the lovely Bill Mosley's character, Chop Top, from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, where he says, Dog will hunt. So... That is my pick. Sailing the Seas of Cheese, specifically, Jerry was a race car driver.
2: That's the number one played song on Spotify from Primus?
0: I was surprised by that, yeah. Wow. Oh, wow! <laughs>
2: How many times did you play it to get it up there?
0: <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I have probably played um, uh, Professor Nutbutter's House of Treats. I love that song. I have probably streamed that song.
2: Man, I saw something times. off of like pork soda or uh... like
0: my name is mud or why yeah, is yeah. big brown beaver? Yeah, I mean, they're 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 up there. But yeah, this was the, the most popular one.
2: Man, you learn something new every day.
1: There you go. <laughs> All right. For my music selection. Now, when you think about music and booze, partying, drinking at the shows for me, there's only one band that comes to mind. So I bring you a song from the dead. Kennedy's that is I give you too too drunk drunk to to fuck fuck. the fourth (laughs) single by the dead Kennedy's released on May 29th 1981 on cherry red records the single reached number 36 in the UK charts although not all the record stores stocked the album Uh, the ones that did sported a custom sticker that the band had made reading caution you are the victim of another yet stodgy retailer afraid to warp your mind by revealing the title of this record. So peel slowly and see. The Dead Kennedys, much like the other Dead, were also out of California. And you guys know I'm not a punk guy, but I actually dug this one. This might have been my first experience of the Dead Kennedys, and I immediately dug that the California influence was there and that surf rock punk sound. Uh, The lyrics are great, telling the story of drinking 16 beers, getting into a fight, shooting out the tires of a cop car, and, well, as the title says, being too drunk to fuck. I mean, how can you not love a song with the lyrics that say, you give me head, it makes it worse, take out your fucking retainer, put it in your purse. (laughs) Too So I give you a song that I think we can all relate to, Too Drunk to Fuck by the Dead Kennedys, released May 1981. You got to give a... Too to John <laughs> to yeah i think that might be the first <laughs> dead kennedy song i ever really listened to Oh man like man. really listened to and i have to say i actually did dig it so it's pretty cool man there's uh
2: there's a lot that you'd probably like california uber alice like since you mentioned california there's a lot of good good tracks and but they're all funny like that all those the albums were released on alternative tentacle records so it was his own label so they always did shit like that and it, like you said it was not in any stores you were ordering that shit via mail
1: <laughs> but it still made it on the charts it was that popular so that many people were still finding a way to get the album or find the stores that it was available in so i guess that shows the popularity of the track good shit all right let's throw it down to bum bob for the ruling on the music round now like you guys said there's you got three songs here
3: none of them might have been, you know, chart toppers by any means at, at the time and three, you know, iconic, you know, artists, you know, Willie Nelson, Primus, Dead Kennedys. But I think I got to go off of just the lyrics and the tone of the song. And I got to go with Mark nice. and, and the Dead Kennedys on, on this one here. It was, it was tough. It was a tough call, but just the the 16 beers all rolled into one. I think that kind of, this is a night of drinking summed up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty much is, man. If that's your night of drinking, man, you've had one hell of a night. I'm proud of you, Mark, because uh, when I saw that you had
2: 1981, <laughs> I, obviously I have that CD, and I was like, I wonder if he's going to pick uh, Too Drunk to Fuck. You did not disappoint. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, guys, so I picked up a point, tie up the game, and I take control of the board heading into our final one-point round we're going to make that the movies round. So my movie selection for 1981 is another in a long line of sequels for this character who is synonymous with alcohol. So much so that the mention of just his surname alone immediately conjures to mind his exact drink order. And uh, much like our friend Drew Zachman, this is the version of the uh, character that is old enough to drink. So we're going to go to the Chicago Tribune, June 26, 1981, for a review written by the great Gene Siskel. It is generally agreed that From Russia With Love is the second best James Bond film in the series. Why? Because it is the best thriller of the 12 films in the series. In other words, take away all of its traditional James Bond elements, the gadgets and the girls, From Russia With Love would still stand up as an exciting motion picture. Similarly, My principal complaint with the last few Bond films is that there has been nothing more than gadgets and girls and stuck on flimsy stories. But all of that changes with For Your Eyes Only, which at the very least is the best Bond film to star Sean Connery replacement, Roger Moore. Released June 26, 1981, I give you For Your Eyes Only from the legendary Bond director, who also gave us Iron Eagle 3, John Glenn. Uh, This was the first Bond movie to be based on one of Ian Fleming's short stories instead of the novels. It's based on the short story For Your Eyes Only, and they actually worked part of Risco into it as well. Now, of course, there's James Bond's signature martini drink, but throughout the books and the movies, he actually drank other libations as well. Uh, In the short story For Your Eyes Only, he actually drinks bourbon and coffee. Uh, In Risco, James Bond orders a Negroni, which is a drink where the three main ingredients are gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. Uh, Matter of fact, this is the only film in which Bond drinks the traditional Greek drink, ouzo. I'm a big fan of ouzo, so kind of cool to see that James Bond enjoys it as well. It's the only Bond movie to date of the franchise not to feature M. And uh, this this film, matter of fact, saved United Artists from financial ruin when this movie took in a worldwide gross of 195 million. So pour yourself a vodka martini and enjoy some James Bond in For Your Eyes Only. That was a great movie. Classic. All right, Man Crush, what did you bring for the movies round?
2: Let's see what I brought. Let's go December 17th, 1971. We're greeted with the seventh film in the series. Keep in mind, it didn't end here since there are another 17 films and one on the way. So as I like to say, wow. the sucker got legs. Uh, but in a bizarro world, we could have gotten an extremely out of place leading man in this movie. Much like we were talking about with uh, James Kahn being considered to play Superman in 1978. This movie also had some odd choices being considered. The previous film in this series was done in 1969. And that leading role was given to an Australian model named George Lazenby. Uh, Lazenby did one film which uh, it wasn't even that bad but afterwards he was offered six more of these films and he declined because his agent told him that it wouldn't be a good thing because hippie culture was on the rise hell yeah Uh, needless to say uh, his career floundered after that amazing advice from his dumbass agent so uh, without Lazenby They needed someone to do the role of old James Bond. (laughs) Uh, I I figured uh, most would know where I was going with this one uh, with the Lazenby drop and everybody else picking James Bond. So (laughs) here are the names that they considered, which is repugnant. uh, Great actors, but uh, all had no business donning the name of Bond. You had Adam West. Oh, boy. Burt motherfucking Reynolds. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. Clint Eastwood and John Gavin. I think Gavin was probably the closest, but uh, they're all freaking Americans. Yep. I mean, luckily, like most of these guys agreed uh, with the sentiment that I just said, uh, and obviously it didn't happen. So they went and they begged Sean Connery to come back. And he agreed after getting an unheard of one point two five million quid at the time, which is about ten million dollars in twenty twenty one. And he also got to handpick his uh, next films outside of the, the Bond universe. Problem was, they now had to redo the entire script. All right, spoiler here. If you've never seen Lazenby's Bond on Her Majesty's Secret Service. <laughs> his arch-nemesis, Blofeld, he kills his wife at the end of the movie. So initially, this was going to be a revenge flick. But they redid the entire script on Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, not only did uh, Connery make some loot here, but so sort did of the movie. It went on to rake in 116 million dollars at the box office, which is about 745 million in 2021. Wow. Uh, nearly 40 million dollars more than Lazenby did two years prior. So I'd say everybody was happy here, except for the two leading ladies in this one, both of which dated Sean Connery during production.
1: Wow. Go Connor. Yeah.
2: It's a long sorted story, but uh Lana Wood and Jill St. John, they have hated each other for decades. Like if you Google some of the shit, I mean of course, uh Lana Wood is Natalie Wood's sister, right. and Jill St. John went and married Robert Wagner after Natalie Wood died. I mean, it's some fucked up shit. But anyhow, uh Bond, of course, he, he does drink some booze in this one while he's undercover as a diamond smuggler. However, he never drinks a vodka martini. Shaken. Not stirred. Never does it. Hmm. I watched it again last night just to make sure it does not. But he does drive a Mustang Mach 1 and probably one of the best chase scenes in cinematic history. Is that the one one in Vegas?
0: Yes. Where he goes up on two wheels? so good.
2: Yeah, he goes up on two wheels. He's driving through the parking lot, through the spots, doing God knows how fast he's going great friggin scene and it's 1971 so there's no special effects that's just some dude driving that car like a madman and it's amazing but anyhow it's uh diamonds are forever james bond who would have thought that would have come up
0: (laughs) 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 not once but twice i you know what that movie i love that movie i loved um what were their names was it mr oh you're talking about the killers yeah
1: one of them was crispin glover's dad
2: that's yeah, that's the really? uh, that's the guy without the weird hair. You know,
1: yeah, I can totally see that actually. Yeah, that's Crispin Glover's wow. dad. No shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Winton, Mr. Kid. That's Yeah, it. Mr. Winton, Mr. Kid. That movie's so good. I need to watch it It's again.
2: so it's kind of campy. Oh, compared to like the other ones, but it's Sean Connery. Yeah. They're all so. campy, man. That's why they're nah, great. They it kind of went away from it in the newer ones. Well... They're they're much grittier now.
0: Well, Timothy Dalton tried going gritty, and I think they weren't ready for it yet, so then they brought Brosnan in. I like those, though. Oh, yeah, dude. uh, License to Kill was one of my favorites. I love that
1: movie. License to Kill is my favorite, hands down. Yeah. And I always thought if they were going to ever remake a James Bond film, that the Lazenby film, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, is storyline-wise, is one of the most important Bond films, but it's just a horrible movie to get through.
2: Yeah, it's just... It's long. Yeah.
1: I heard he turned it down because
0: he didn't want to get typecast
2: well yeah because his, his agent told him that uh you know with hippie culture he didn't want to get in that thriller crime scene and never get another role uh,
0: ah gotcha well that were, I, he actually
3: had a bad call
0: if you look
2: at his imdb he has been in a number of things but nothing that big yeah. ever again and you know what's uh coincidental is uh timothy dalton almost got that picture yes back in 69 and They waited twenty years. Go wow. figure. Yeah.
0: Interesting.
1: All right, Drew Zachman, what did you bring for the movies round? All right, James Bond. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had, I had, to, I, I had to look and make
3: sure there wasn't a 1991 James Bond film just to be sure. And I was like, I didn't think there was, and I looked, and I'm like, all right, well, it can't yeah. be James Bond. Well, there was
0: a there was a gap. I think Dalton License to Kill was probably what 89. And then Brosnan's next one was 95. Yeah, 89 to, nine, yeah, yeah, 89 nine. to
3: 95. Yeah. yeah, you have that gap between...
2: Well, Bob, and what do you call it? Brosnan was supposed to be it too, but he couldn't get out of Remington Steel. Right. Correct. So he got screwed over. You know, We talked about it before on here. It's, it's crazy if you, if you actually go through all the Bonds. And I, There's a really great Bond documentary that's out there. I forgot the name of it, but it goes through all this shit, and it's
0: really interesting. Interesting. Well, I can tell you I don't have a Bond film. Nor do I have uh, anything involving his nephew this time around, but his niece. The question here is, what is the only thing better than chilled shots? One might venture to say, hot shots. Oh, that's right. I'm talking about hot shots, guys. See what I did there? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this this movie uh, directed by Jim Abrams. Uh, This movie is a classic. It's fucking hilarious. It's basically uh, the naked gun just with Charlie Sheen in it, pretty much. But there's a lot of big names there had Charlie Sheen, Carrie Elwes, uh, Valeria Galeno, John Cryer, Lloyd Bridges. Uh, it's, it really is like a Naked Gun-esque spoof on movies such as Top Gun, Dance of the Wolves, Rocky, Superman, Gone with the Wind. They're, they just shit on everything, and it's amazing. Now, the drinking tie-in here is when they also kind of spoof cocktail, when the bartenders pour drinks the same way as they do in cocktail. So that's kind of... Uh, the the tie in there from an alcohol standpoint but the movie had a budget of 26 million but pulled in an impressive 181 million at the box office which if we use uh man Crush's inflation calculator that's like 83.7 billion dollars in 2021 <laughs> <laughs> but i mean this movie is fucking hilarious i i love this movie i i never get tired of watching it uh some of my favorite quotes uh i phone fallen for you like a blind roofer it's a good one <laughs> um, another one. Uh, my eyes are ceramic. I caught a bazooka round that little Bighorn, or was it Okinawa? The one without the Indians. I love that movie; it's great. And as Man Crush would also say, it has legs because there was a second one made, Hot Shots Part 2 which was also fantastic. So that's what I'm going with, Hot Shots, uh, which came
2: out July 31st, 1991. You know what you didn't bring up? I can't remember what's his name again—Chopper or something? Topper Harley. Topper Harley. He's got the most kills on screen.
1: Oh, that's you? true. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, let's toss it down to Bumwine Bob for the ruling on the movies round.
3: Well, we got two two of you here with the, a classic drinker in, you know, James Bond Wallace, two different versions of James Bond. It's still, you know, the same character. guy. Guy loves his drinks, but out of the actual movie itself and kind of what it opened up for other spoof type, you know, movies, um, I got to go with drew it and hot shots on this one. Uh, you know, it's not cold, cold shots. It's hot shots, you know? (laughs) So I I give it to drew
1: on, on this
2: one, man, he's making it tough going to them two point rounds.
1: Yep. The game is a foot. All right. This game is all tied up at one point apiece. Drew Zachman, you have control of the board. What category are we going with next? Uh, I'm going to go with news. That's my next pick. So <clears throat>
0: June 12th, in the year of our Lord, 1991, Boris Yeltsin is elected as the first president of the Russian Socialist Federative Soviet Republic, winning 57% of the popular vote. I don't know if I need to keep talking, but it's Boris Yeltsin. So <laughs> he drank a little bit, but a little
3: bit um, Russia. It's Russia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But I, I found uh, when I was doing some digging on this. I found this one story pretty helpful. It was amazing. Uh, but while Yeltsin was visiting the U.S. and then President Bill Clinton in 1995. See, I always have to bring up Bill Clinton too. by the way, every episode I'm on, I feel like. <laughs> but this time we're not talking about his uh, impeachment but yeltsin was found on pennsylvania avenue drunk in his underwear and trying to hail a taxi cab in order to find pizza that is amazing <laughs> like i don't i don't think i've i've done those things but being clothed you know i have been drunk maybe not on pennsylvania avenue but other avenues and trying to hail a taxi cab in order to find pizza or maybe just taco bell but usually i'm wearing more than my underwear but that's pretty amazing that he's the fucking president of you know russia basically good for him
2: wait when did this happen
0: that was 1995 when that happened oh all right why why did no, you say I just do
2: why'd you say it cause like that because it's na- cause it's, it's, <laughs> ni- it's 1995 it's not 1991
0: no well the 1991 yeah. is the fact that boris yeltsin was elected as the first president and <laughs> boris yeltsin drinks his face off all the time this particular story just so happened to be 1995 and i wanted to share it with you guys because i like you that's all. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. But I, I will say Just this. Clarifying. So, yeah, but uh, but Yeltsin would be president from 1991 until 1999, as he was succeeded by some guy, Vladimir Putin. And I, I tell you what, you know, Russians can drink. Like I, I so I actually visited. I visited Russia about eight years ago, and dude, they can straight up throw down. So we took the Trans-Siberian rail from Moscow to Vladivostok, and. The last leg of the train wide was three straight days on the train. And every one of those days, we were hanging out with these Russians who would just drink vodka. There was like a group of four guys that we were hanging out with. And this one guy in particular, his name was Pacha. He was this like bear of a man. It was, he, was, he was a beast. But this guy had open heart surgery. And we knew that because he never wore a shirt. And he had a massive scar Going down his chest. So we're on this like train hanging out, like in the like the uh, like the drink car or like the food car or whatever. He just didn't wear a shirt. You know, we're on the train, like in Gen, you know, Gen Pop hanging out with everybody. This guy just walk around, no shirt on, but I wouldn't tell him to put one on because he was like three times my size and would crush me. But the first day of that leg, he himself drank four bottles of vodka bottles. And then the second day on that leg, He drank four more bottles of vodka. And then the third day he was like, I don't, we saw him. And he was like, kind of like hobbling around, like dizzy a little bit. I'm assuming still drunk from the day before. He was like, I don't feel so good. I've been drinking too much. I'm like, yeah, no shit, Pacha. So he was like, I'm not going to drink today. So like later that day, he drank two bottles of vodka. So he scaled it back a little bit. And then like the next day we got off in Vladivostok, he just got out and was, you know, Good as a million bucks. Now that same night, I drank a bottle of vodka. I was, I thought I died. And this guy was drinking four. I'm like, I don't, I didn't get it. I mean, I, I don't. Know if it makes sense because he had the open heart surgery. So I'm like, I'm assuming he probably should stop drinking. But anyway, Russia, man, <laughs> <coughs> fucking Russia. But yeah, Boris Yeltsin. That's what I'm going with.
1: What he didn't tell you is that his heart runs on ethanol.
0: It maybe, man, maybe it all makes sense yeah. now. <laughs>
1: All right, Man Crush, what did you bring for the news round?
2: All right, so let's go May 13th, 1971. I cannot be more excited to find this coming out in 1971. This reminds me of the good old days working at Staples when I was in college. So most of the guys that I worked with in my department, they were all in like their mid to late 20s, and they'd bring little 18-year-old Man Crush out to bars on like a weekly basis. So, so since I wasn't old enough to drink, the plan was always to get me like good and liquored up before heading out to the bars and clubs, which were up in Poughkeepsie and New Paltz. And uh, we would always meet in the Staples parking lot, like right as the store closed. So right around 10 o'clock, whoever was closing up that night would come out and there would be three or four cars just waiting in the parking lot, ready to hand you whatever the drink of the night was for that night. And typically it was something cheap. And it was something that could put you in the fetal position by the end of the night. And my my first drink initiation with these guys was Cisco. (laughs) And liquid crack could totally do the trick without a doubt. However, almost too good at that job. Uh, You had a great one or two hour window before you either ended up in full shutdown mode where you would just be sitting somewhere with your head down or you got into a fight, or you puked. I mean, those are the three options when you're on Cisco. Plus, the drive to Poughkeepsie or New Paltz is like 45 minutes from where this happened. So by the time you got out of the car, the clock was ticking. (laughs) Then they introduced me to this stuff, and I found this article, and I was so excited. Uh, The article, title this one, it says, uh, Mogan David, out to change image. Uh, This is out of the Daily News, says Mogan David Wine Corp is turning over a new leaf and changing its image from the Jewish sacramental wine to a popular drinking wine. Mogan David recently received nationwide exposure in a movie called A New Leaf with Elaine May playing the gouch little rich girl who preferred Mogan David to her finest French wines. Uh, But basically, they're just talking about in the article how they're switching gears and they're they're actually which is funny And I didn't know this. Mogan David was actually bought by Coke in 1970. Really? Yeah. And they owned them for a little while. Wow. So like right after this happened. And here's another thing I didn't know. In the 50s, they were like one of the biggest like on screen as far as like commercials. Mogan David had more commercials than any other alcohol. So they bought them. And now, you know, they're infused with all this money, which is this is hilarious to say, because. Mogan David, for the people that haven't put Mogan David together. Bob, what is Mogan David?
3: Mogan David is MD 2020, or as people like to call it, is Mad Dog 2020. Exactly. There you have it, yes. So,
2: so you don't you don't tie together Coke with that. I, no. and it only lasted a couple of years before they sold them off again. But at this point, they were talking about how like the uh, the young generation wanted these few fu- these like fruity malt drinks. And they came out with a few of them over time. Uh, One of them was called cold bear, which was Mogan Davis. Um, And of course, you know, mad dog 2020, which at the time meant 20% alcohol in a 20 ounce bottle, which of course doesn't happen now because then you'd probably end up with the same shit that happens when you drink Cisco. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit weaker. gets you there quick. Does the job. So this, in my staples days, we uh we kind of weaned away from the cisco and went to that mad dog and that was like the drink of choice even when i was in uh the marine corps i all the guys that i was stationed with who had never had it before you had to give them cisco first see how that turned out and then you're like all right you're not ready here's mad dog 2020
3: <laughs> and it, it's it's the tra- it's the training wheels to get you to that cisco level you know it, it
2: really is i mean <laughs> Dude, Cisco, the name Liquid Crack on Cisco. I know that's not my pick, but like dude, it's so spot on. Like that just <clears throat> destroys you. We had this one dude that was in my uh my platoon who's a huge guy. He was like 6'4, 250. He was a bodybuilder. And he told us that he could drink two bottles of vodka like uh Drew's boy there. So we watched him do this. He actually did it. So one night he came over to my house and I bought a bottle of Cisco. He made it halfway through one bottle. <laughs> He broke two of my fucking dining room chairs. My wife was so <laughs> pissed. He was, he kept leaning back and just, he broke them. It was insane. And then we were like fighting in the living room with this guy. We had to like lock him outside the house, <laughs> but <laughs> mad dog, it's got its own place, man. That it, better taste. What was your mad dog of choice? I think, I don't, I don't know if it was my choice, but strawberry kiwi is probably the one that kind of like my go-to
3: strawberry kiwi is good. The, uh, the bling bling blue raspberry is is pretty good if you want one to drink straight up, or if you're a fan of a you know a, a screwdriver or a mimosa, the orange jubilee is, is pretty good for just that orange flavor. Uh, but a lot of the flavors of MD twenty twenty aren't that bad compared to like you were saying the Cisco that that's a whole nother beast. <laughs> To, to battle another day you know the liquid crack they had to put on the bottle this is not a wine cooler because people like you said we're trying to drink the whole thing in one sitting because it's shaped like a wine cooler almost and it was like you know at 18 uh it's <laughs> gonna put a hurting on you if you drink that whole bottle so you know.
2: and that's what we always did and you, you know what this uh, this is going back to 1996 the first time i had it so we're talking about like 25 years ago at this point and that's the first time that I've ever heard somebody put it like that, and it makes total sense that you're not supposed to drink the whole bottle of Cisco.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think it says on the bottles. I know I I do have I have some down in the basement still, and I think it says it's four servings on uh-huh. a bottle is is what's suggested, and you know and they're not that big of bottles. I think it might be you know, three hundred fifty milliliters. So it's not yeah. that it's not a huge bottle. So four servings out of that, I mean. It's not not that much that you should be drinking of it, and if you drink half of that or try to drink a whole bottle, I mean, you're gonna end up on the ground or in jail. I mean, that's <laughs>
1: or too drunk to fuck either way. <laughs> yeah, <too drunk. laughs> yeah.
2: It's true. Is that the same thing with Mad Dog? Are you not supposed to drink the whole bottle of that?
3: I don't think so. I I think the Mad Dog is usually only a thirteen percent, and I almost drank on one of my podcasts, they in 2020, they released the MD 2020 Gold, their special edition. It's MD 2020 is the year 2020. They released this Pineapple Gold version. And when I finally got it, I did a podcast um, drinking it for the first time, and I probably got through about a little over three quarters of the bottle. And, you know, I had a good buzz going. I was I was drunk, but not, you know, deathly throwing up hung over the next day so the the md 2020 isn't as potent i guess we could say yeah, <laughs> as a cisco yeah. uh it'll give you a nice buzz but it's not gonna throw you over that edge well
1: it's not like you're an 18 year old drinking it either so, right, right, yeah,
3: right. We we have experience now of years and years of drinking, training, so.
1: training, we call it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The worst part about
2: either one of those, and I don't know if it was because we're the guys because I wasn't 21, so the guys would buy it for me, or if they were just fucking with me thinking back. But they would always buy me whatever was available, and it was always the worst kinds. Like, they would give me like peach, <laughs> it's
3: always peach. If you had green, green apple, yeah, I was like, what, uh.
2: like. Dude, I asked for, like, Blue Raspberry. You're like, yeah, it's all they had.
3: Yeah. yeah. And especially if, and if it's warm. Warm. Oh. That, that's even worse. I, I had green apple Cisco that was warm that had been sitting. Like, we opened the bottle and then it sat out for, like, six months and then drank it warm. That was, was, was not fun. Yeah.
2: Every single person that's ever drank Cisco just gagged in their mouth a little yeah. bit. <laughs> But yeah, Mad Dog, the birth of Mad Dog, pretty much. Yeah. Away from the uh, the Jewish drinks, off to drinking yeah. before man. They, they goes left to it the bar. now
3: to the, the Manishevitz to corner <laughs> that Jewish wine market, you know, now that the uh, holiday season's over.
2: <laughs> they do market it towards families in this article, too, which I thought was hilarious.
3: <laughs> well, they, they, that's what they tried at first, I guess. Then they found their their calling was going down a different road with it. So. You got to try and see what works.
1: (laughs) It's too funny. Yeah. All right, guys. So for my news story, you know, throughout the 80s and 90s, if you picked up any magazine, trade journal or print media, you would see some sort of variant for this iconic alcoholic beverage. One could even say that it was absolute genius. It was actually sold a full century before in Sweden, before hitting the global market in 1979, but it broke all new ground in 1981 when they became a household name in a print advertising mainstay. My new story is the start of the longest running print ad marketing campaign in history, running nonstop for over 25 years. I give you absolute vodka. Absolute simplistic ad design campaign started in 1981, and that made the bottle the star, and it jump-started sales and the demand for the alcohol. What they did is they put the bottle shape and iconic imagery up front and then changed themes around it. In the U.S. alone, they saw a rise of 10,000 cases sold the previous year in 1980 to 4.5 million cases sold in the year 2000. In 1986, Andy Warhol himself took a liking to the art and the shape of the bottle, although he didn't drink alcohol. However, though, he did use Absolute Vodka as a perfume. (laughs) (laughs) So Warhol painted his own interpretation of the bottle, and Absolute loved it so much they used it for one of their ads. After that, Absolute ran with the artistic approach and racked up more than 1,500 variations of the iconic ad. The very first one, Absolute Perfection, also gave birth to the art of wrapping visual and verbal puns around simple, striking imagery, also known today as a meme. So I give you Absolute Vodka, funding news publications since 1981 and just so happened to invent the meme at the same time. So that's my pick for the news round.
0: I used to collect those things cuz I used to get sports illustrated when I was younger. Yeah. And I would I would always like take out cuz it was like cool. It's like, "Ooh, look at this alcohol. I have a picture of it." And I would always like, you know, <laughs> put it like in we put it like in our locker at school and stuff. I was like, "Look at this. I have a vodka thing in my locker room." Yeah,
1: yeah they it even was, got like, it even got so popular and trendy in the mid to late 90s when we had like the uh like, the No Fear shirts started coming out, yep. and the Big Johnson, yep. yeah. they started coming out with the absolute ones at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you had
3: the you had the parody absolute whatever, and like, you go down to the shore, you go to the beach, and you get the absolute, you know, absolute seaside hikes, right? you know. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> All right, let's go down to Bumwine Bob for the ruling on the news round. All right, now, I mean...
3: Anybody who knows me probably can say that this round's pretty much uh, <laughs> a, a giveaway. But but hey, I get I can props to all you guys and with Drew, I mean, you brought in the Russia and the Russians. They love to drink. They love their vodka. But you know, that that's it. <laughs> <laughs> now and, and Mark, uh, the absolute vodka. I mean, that's kind of an iconic. You know, the classic. I mean, at least to me, I think that they were the originators of the the flavored vodkas, I mean, maybe not officially, but when you saw all the different flavors, when it became the trendy thing to do, I mean, I had one of my worst drinking stories was getting drunk and throwing off, off, off of absolute citron um, one time that my friend had. And it took me years and years to finally work up the courage to drink it again (laughs) (laughs) and and get over the fear. And, And I conquered it. You know, you, you have to go back if you have a bad experience with the with alcohol. You got to go back. Exposure therapy, shot. baby. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You got to you got to give it another shot. So, Absolute is is one of the iconic brands. You don't hear too much about them anymore, but you know, in the '90s and early 2000s, it was like the big brand of of vodka. But Man Crush, the Mogan David, which would turn into the MD 2020. Um, you know, for me, you know, that, that's my wheelhouse. <laughs>
2: I was so happy to find it. When I know I saw you, Mogan you, David, you I was stumbled
3: like... right into the gold mine on, on that one. So a so man crush and and the Mogan David gets, gets the win for this round.
2: Dude, you teased a little bit of your worst ever drunk story. Like what happened?
3: I, I was at a party at a friend's house and we started doing shots and we're down in his basement and there's this girl sitting on a couch and out of nowhere, she just turns her head to the side, throws up all over the floor. <laughs> and somehow in, in my wisdom, I, I kind of wanted to be the hero, you know, and kind of, you know, clean up everything, you know, help out when you're already drinking. Then you start cleaning up somebody's throw up. Then next thing, you know, yep. it kind of triggers your own it's a train, it's a <laughs> chain reaction, man. You're adding yeah. to it. And, and it was one of those where I'm like, okay, going, going, and then just bolting out the, the basement outside and just throwing up in, in the bushes. And that was after, you know, quite a few shots of, of absolute citron that my friend was just trying to get rid of. Like one of those, you probably had those when you're hanging out and it's like, Oh, well, I had this, this beer or this alcohol has been sitting for months or years. Like, let's just drink it, get it <laughs> out of here. And that was the night to to drink it and grow up and have a nasty hangover the next day. But then it, it took a few years to finally come back around, try it again, take the shot and conquer it and put it to bed. And I'm pretty sure I haven't had it since. And that was probably, you know, 15 years ago, at least.
2: Man, you were fortunate, though. If that's your worst drunk story, yeah, th- No, th- th- not not the not the worst. No, not, oh, okay. not, no, no, no. I was like, man, you could really handle your shit. If that's your worst, no, one. no, no,
3: no, 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 I've, no. I don't think we have enough time to go into that. We can <laughs> save that for 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 another day. <laughs> the follow up <laughs> episode. Yeah, yeah. But to, off of the the story of the of the absolute vodka and the citron, that's what kind of triggered that for me. Kind of, you know. PTSD of of (laughs) that when you brought that up, so.
2: (laughs) I remember, like, Citron was, like, such a high school thing, too, where people were like, oh, Citron, you can't taste it at all, and everyone wanted to have it, and then you had it, and you're like, it's just like vodka.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, with, like, a lemon-lime flavor that... Yeah, you put some Sprite in it. fake, yeah.
2: (laughs) And it was always, had, like, that thicker consistency... To it, like all the absolutes do, with mm-hmm. all that flavor, and it's very syrupy. Ugh. not as good as Cisco and Dog. Yeah. All
1: right, man, Chris, <laughs> will you jump out to a two-point lead? Let's see if you can hold on to it going into the final round, the Hot Products round.
2: All right, Hot Products in nineteen seventy-one. So let's go to April fourth of nineteen seventy-one. And how can I not talk about a drink that had the slogan like, "You may have forgotten the name, but you'll never forget the taste." Uh, this This product right here was test marketed in South Florida in 1969, and the people in the Sunshine State, they loved it. And while Pittsburgh Brewing Company spent two years trying to pitch this as Lemon Lime Lager, they finally came to their senses in 1971, and they rebranded it Tropical Flavored Malt Liquor. And almost instantly, it became a huge success in Florida, Detroit, South Carolina, Georgia, before spreading its wings to the rest of the country. Uh, Let me see if this uh, ad copy right here entices you guys. Taste a completely new experience. Hopping Gator. The new brew that smacks off the tropics. A citrusy, champagne-y, tropical flavor. Drink this exciting new tropical brew on the rocks, off the rocks. Hot, cold, in a pinch, in a punch. Any way you like it. Mix it with your favorite liquor. And right away, you've got twice the drink with twice the reason to call it your favorite. But all by itself, it's a great, new, brewed-in-the-tropics taste. So for the first time, guys and girls, husbands and wives, grandmothers and grandpas, everyone, drink a drink you can enjoy together. Ask for the versatile, new tropical brew, Hopping Gator. (laughs) You might forget the name, but you'll never forget the taste
1: that's what she said <laughs> uh,
2: this article i found from the april of 1971 it says that hop and gator it is the distant cousin of gatorade and has 25 percent more alcohol content than beer i mean it sounds amazing right that's because that's exactly what was in hop and gator uh hop and gator was gatorade mixed with regular beer which was something that was con- concocted by the inventor of gatorade robert Cade. <laughs> Which is why Pittsburgh Brewing Company was sued by Gatorade for infringing on Gatorade's trademark. Uh, If you I can't send you guys a picture over here, but if you look up uh, Hoppin Gator, uh, just look at the can and the GA for the old. Just picture that in the old Gatorade cans. It's almost exactly the same. Uh, the NAACP also got into it with Pittsburgh Brewing Company since they were targeting African-American drinkers and they started to boycott it, urging African-Americans not to drink Hopping Gator. Uh, that boycott would last until 1972. Then they made some kind of deal. The product was eventually yanked in 1975, but it has legs because Pittsburgh Brewing Company, they produced 10,000 barrels of Hop and Gator in 2004 is just a novelty. So you might still be able to find some skunk-ass tropical-flavored malt liquor if you look really hard. I actually did try. Uh, I could not find any. Ah oh, man.
3: Uh, That's something I'd like to try.
2: It actually doesn't sound too bad from other shit that I've ever drank. And looking at the ads, there's another ad here, but the text is really small. So I don't know if I'll be able to read their ad copy here. But, yeah, it's super small. Kick the head off your thirst. Kick the head off your thirst. <laughs> with the new Hopping Gator Lemon Lime Lager they actually end that ad with your thirst will never know what hit it
1: Hopping Gator
3: they're not wrong,
1: wrong. <laughs> <laughs> alright Drew Zachman what did you bring for the hot products round
3: alright
0: uh, so this, this product is actually in my house right now um, but however I cannot touch it as I mentioned earlier I'm partaking in a dry January which is fucking stupid Anyway, this product originally got kickstarted back in 1988 during a bike trip through Belgium. Kim Jordan and Jeff Lebesch were inspired to bring Belgian brewing traditions to their hometown of Fort Collins, Colorado. And after a few years of planning and getting things set up, they opened up New Belgium Brewery in January of 1991. Now, Kim, Kim is a boss, man. She was their first bottler, sales rep, distributor, marketer, financial planner. And she's a CEO, so she, uh, she, she definitely put in the time. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever brewed your own beer or not, but it's not necessarily super easy. It's not bad, you know, to follow instructions and make your own batch, but it takes, like, three hours to brew. And that includes, you know, cleaning the equipment first and then, you know, boiling and everything. And then you have to let it ferment, which can take, you know, depending on what kind you're making, uh, a couple weeks, a couple months maybe. And then you have to bottle it. So from start to finish, it can take, you know, a while, depending on the style of beer. And during the fermentation, the styles of beer need to be kept at certain temperatures. Like with ales being easy, they're around like room temperature. Maybe a little bit cooler than that. But lagers need to be kept a little bit colder. So brewing isn't super difficult to make a beer, but it's difficult to make a really good beer. And I think even more difficult to continually repeat that. So kudos to those guys, because they make some really good freaking beer. Uh, Now, here are some, I have some stats for you guys. Now, according to BrewersAssociation.org, when New Belgium Brewery opened in 1991, at that time, there were 312 breweries. Fast forward in 1995, that number jumped to 858. And then if we jump to 2010, that number went up to 1,813. As of 2019, there were 8,386 breweries, which is insane. You know, when this brewery opened up in 1991, there were just over 300 breweries. And now there's over 8,000, which is ridiculous. I feel like there's like 300 breweries in my area by, you know, Reading, Pennsylvania. Does, pa-
2: does Pennsylvania give money to start a brewery? Because New York was for a while. That's what we have three in my town.
0: I I think so. I So I remember in New Jersey, they started, and I think it was under Governor Christie, they started loosening some of the um, the restrictions on opening up your own brewery. And that was maybe probably about 10 years ago or so. I think they're trying to get that industry booming a bit in Jersey. Because uh, a good friend of mine, he's actually the owner of Spellbound Brewery in Mount Holly, John. And um, they actually helped, you know, because they loosened up a lot of those restrictions. I think one of them was you... You have to give them a tour in order to like serve them a drink. So what they would do is they would actually just on a loop on the TV play (laughs) uh, basically a tour of the brewery. So you can watch that tour on the TV without actually having to get the tour itself, which would take, you know, could take a half hour. But it takes them away from, you know, getting a drink at the bar they have set up there. So that's what they kind of got around that little thing. But I don't know about Pennsylvania, but there's I feel like they probably have some kind of, you know, assistance like where you starting yeah. yeah there's got to be something
2: we have equinox that started over here which okay is, that one's really big and then clemson brothers i can't remember the name of the third one then there's another one a couple towns over so they have to be getting some kind of incentive to come in here
0: somebody somebody yeah <laughs> yeah i mean in downtown Reading, there's three on the one street it's insane and then uh chatty monks which is awesome broken chair i forget the other one i haven't been there yet but I mean, in Kutztown, there's Saucony Creek. I mean, there's there's so many around here that have opened up within the past, you know, handful of years. And then we're not, I'm not too far away from Sly Fox. That's in Pottstown, I think.
2: Isn't Golden Monkey up there? Or what is that Victory? I forgot. That's Victory.
0: Means. Victory is yeah. in, I want to say, Downingtown. So that's maybe like a 45 minutes for me. It's not too far. I mean, Trogues is in Hershey. That's an hour.
2: Golden Monkey. That's the Cisco version of beer. Delicious beer. Ooh,
0: yeah. It'll put you on your ass, but it's really good. I love,
2: <laughs> I love
0: a good Belgian triple. Um, but yeah, there, there's a ton of them, a ton of breweries out by us, which is awesome. I mean, uh, I'm not too far from Lancaster, which is 45 minutes. And Lancaster is probably one of my favorite breweries uh, ever. Actually, they make a lot of really good stuff. So yeah, um, that's what I'm going with. New Belgium. Uh, they make awesome beer. Their flagship is their Amber Ale, which is called Fat Tire, which is what I have in my fridge, just waiting for February 1st to get cracked open. That is a delicious beer. And they have their Voodoo Ranger, which is pretty much what they kind of base their IPA line off of. So I would highly recommend checking them out. But that is my super, super hot product, New Belgium Brewery, which opened in Fort Collins, Colorado in January 1991.
1: All righty. For my hot product, we're going to go over to our good friends at newspapers.com to an article tucked away in the corner of the Tampa Tribune, August 21st, 1981. With the headline, Bud Light on way, Anheuser-Busch Incorporated said it will begin test marketing a brand new beer, Budweiser Light, in select metropolitan areas next week. Anheuser-Busch already markets Michelob Light, but the new brand is designed to challenge Miller Light, which has grown to hold about 58% of the light beer market since its introduction five years ago. Light beer is the fastest growing segment of all beer sales making up about 12.5% of all beer sold. So this is the first introduction of Bud Light. Now Bud Light wasn't actually fully rolled out until 1992, although the numbers have dipped in recent years due to the boom in the craft beer industry, which we were just speaking about. Bud Light is still America's best-selling beer by a margin of almost 2 to 1 compared to its closest competitor. Uh, they shipped about 27.2 million barrels in 2019, and that commanded a 13.24% market share. So crack open a cold one and celebrate the birth of Bud Light, 1981. First time you could get it in select test markets only.
2: Hmm. I would love to see what their numbers are for
1: 2020. Yeah, they have been going down in the, like the last five years. They've yeah. slipped like uh, 4 to 7% a year.
2: Yeah, dude, 2020, they had a double 2019. Oh, yeah.
3: I I was going to say, they've been going down, but 2020 with the amount of alcohol sales. They probably went way up. Yeah. They've probably (laughs) gone way up. I mean, (laughs) I've said this before. Yeah, I've said it before that. You know, once lockdown started, I was heading to the liquor store stocking up, you know, on um, beer. Like, just in case, you know, they close everything down. I got to make sure I have a stockpile of beer ready you to can't go. have a
2: show yeah. if you can't drink. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> for a beer, that's the number one selling beer by a long shot in the United States. It has one of the worst ratings. It's got a forty five out of one hundred for an overall rating of awful. So <laughs> it's like
2: it's one. It's like uh it's a comfort beer, though. Like, if you go somewhere and you don't know what to pick, you know that it's not going to be that bad. Where you're like, ah, just get the Bud Light. It's bucket. it's
3: basic. It's the basic yeah. beer. I mean, that that's what it is. It's yeah. like, uh, what was it? um,
0: uh, What's his name? Mitch Hedberg. He had that one joke where he was like, you know, rice is awesome if you want, you know, a thousand of something. I feel like Bud Light is the same way, you know. If you want to have like like thirty of something,
3: yeah. If if you're drinking all night, you're You're, yeah. you're playing beer pong or flip cup or some sort of drinking game. Yeah. You want something that you know that's not going to get you on your ass in you know an hour. You can drink all night. There's your answer. Get a Bud Light. Yeah. I'm not going to have like a a Scotch Ale. I'm going to have fucking Bud no, Light. No, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will say this though. I mean, you know, say what you will about Budweiser and Bud Light, but I the Budweiser. Uh, brewers are pretty fucking awesome because they make Budweiser obviously all over the world and they make it all over the world. They don't make it in one spot and distribute it. They make it wherever they are. And those brewers can actually basically have it taste the exact same way all over the world. And obviously like when you're in different parts of the world, you have different tasting water, right? And water makes a big difference when you're making beer and the fact that they can replicate that with different water, it's pretty freaking amazing. Even though I'm not necessarily a Budweiser fan. And also, when I was in Russia, they fucking love Budweiser. Like, what are you guys doing?
3: <laughs> yeah, I think in a lot of foreign countries, they, they love it. It's yeah. Like, big sellers, you're like, really? You guys want all this here? You have, like, hey, okay, all right, whatever. All right. <laughs> like, you guys have Baltica
0: up in uh, St. Petersburg. Fucking drink that. That's pretty decent.
2: That's, that's like, I have a buddy of mine that's from Germany, and he's like, dude, we hate Heineken. Like, he's like, me and my friends. He's like, we don't drink that shit for anything. And you guys drink it here like you're. It's like a specialty beer. It's like, oh, Heineken. It's like, huh, good to know. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like the same as us going overseas and going, nah, I don't want a Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> Give me something else. So, wait. So, so they test marketed it in 1981, but it didn't come out till
1: 1992?
2: 1982. Or 1982. Okay. There's a
1: 92. Okay. All right. Let's kick it down to Bum Wine Bob for what could be the final ruling on this game.
3: Now, guys, this had to be probably the, I think, the toughest round that that we've had so far on this show as each of you went along you all had very compelling points you know man crush started it off with his gatorade-esque malt liquor hopping mean, hopping gator Yeah, <laughs> which, which i would have loved to try back then or even in its revival in 2004 or whenever it Dude, was
1: gatorade and beer just mix your own at home <laughs> yeah
3: and, and, and that's kind of these days you know we see the a lot of things like that you know we have the, if the Natter days you know the, the Natty Light and the Strawberry Lemonade beers there's Bud, Bud Light Lemonade so I mean it's kind of like besides the Seltzers it's kind of one of the biggest markets that are in the, the beer world these days um, then Drew with the new Belgium uh, brewing company starting I mean that's kind of like the kickoff of you know the whole craft beer revolution that just kind of kept going up and up and up over years. And then Mark with the introduction of, of the Budweiser light. I mean, that's the, I mean, while Miller light might've been out there first, the, the Bud light was really the beer that kind of, I think, give it that, that, that shot to, yeah. to go forward. And because I do have in, in my basement, I have an actual Budweiser light mirror uh, sign that, that my dad picked up for me um i have to give it to you i have to give it to the budweiser light just for what bud light is kind of meant good or bad to <laughs> to the beer world uh, in, in the long haul so mark in the the budweiser light introduction of 1981 that gets the win for this round
1: all right well that ties me up with man crush at three points so that means we're gonna go to a final wild card round all right man crush it's between you and me why don't you go first
2: all right, so I went with news on this one, because this was big news out of 1971. Uh, we get, uh, and I'll, I'll keep these short as usual for uh, for the lightning round or whatever the fuck we want to call this one. What do we call it now? Wild card.
3: <laughs> Wild card lightning. Same shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the title of this article is White Whiskey Makes Debut in Bridgeport's First on Thursday. So basically, let, let me just break it down. So um, all the light drinks, everything from overseas, was killing the American market. So like all of our distillers over here, they were hurting. So they were they wanted to put out something that was called light whiskey or white whiskey. So it took out took the color out of it. But they did this in 1968. They passed a law that said that they were allowed to do this. And they thought that this was going to be a big boom because there's more whiskey that's produced over here. But people were like moving to vodka and they're moving away from, you know, our whiskeys and our rye's. So they put out this, this whole thing for this light whiskey that was coming out in 1972. So a couple of these big companies, they put out early for taste tests. And that's what was happening in 1971. But it didn't really do shit. <laughs> but if you look now and you go, there are specialty distillers that are selling this light whiskey. Have you ever had this before? It's not something I've ever had. No. So basically, it's just like a tasteless whiskey it's not light in calories it's a matter of fact some of the stuff i read it's more calories but <laughs> it's it's not that's not what it's meant for it's not light like you're going on a diet it's light as in
1: flavor or lack thereof and yeah <laughs> and color light and Suppose,
2: color. supposedly some of these manufacturers or distilleries that i found that are online now that are putting this stuff out they found like barrels of this stuff that's been aged for seven or eight years because it was only supposed to be aged for like two years. It's supposed to be like a quick turnaround or four years or whatever. These guys are putting it out and they say it tastes great. So now I'm really like, I was looking at this stuff before I can't remember the name of the company, but I actually want to pick some up and see what the fuck it's all about. But (laughs) it was supposed to save the day. Unfortunately it didn't. Uh, It says, uh, so there's a little clip from this says according to time magazine article uh, that was published in April of 1971, Uh, shenley seagram's national distillers and american distilling and publicer the industry giants were leading the light whiskey charge and they expected to have 200 million gallons in their inventory by 1972 which they did but it just didn't didn't pick up (laughs) so it is what it is it's the news it's like the Crystal Pepsi of whiskey.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was gonna say Are they going for the like the the Zima trend of you know the clear is better? You know, I mean,
2: it. I don't know. It was supposed to save the American whiskey industry from like they were calling it unfair foreign competition. Yeah, you
1: know what they call clear whiskey? Moonshine. Okay. <laughs> right. 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 Right.
2: But this was not moonshine. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't moonshine. And it was actually it was supposed to capture ten to twelve percent of the market. Wow. By 1980, in 10 years, it was supposed to pick up that much. Never did.
1: All right. So for the wild card round, I actually went with a news story as well. So we'll go over to the Charlotte Observer, July 18th, 1981, where the headline reads, Pregnant Women Warned to Avoid Alcohol. Pregnant women should drink absolutely no alcohol, the Surgeon General has officially advised doctors. It was the first time the government was warning and advocated total abstinence. Public health officials now say they know too little about the influence of alcohol to condone the use of even one ounce of alcohol during pregnancy. The advisory, issued in the July issue of the Food and Drug magazine, Drug Bulletin comes in response to the extensive review of scientific research into the efforts of alcohol consumption on pregnancy over the last decade, according to John DeLuca, director of the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. So all the way to 1981 did it take doctors to say, yeah, a pregnant woman probably shouldn't drink. (laughs) So that's what I got for the wild card round. Pregnant women don't drink.
2: <laughs> right around the same time, though, like do- you have to really question doctors because right around the same time, didn't the first woman ever like to ever finish a marathon? Wasn't it like right around then because they they were under the assumption that their uteruses right. would fall out <laughs> if they ran twenty six miles? Like, what were they teaching in med school at this point?
1: Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, drink. Yeah, drank. Fuck it. If
2: you're thirsty.
1: All right, let's once again go back down to Bob for the final ruling on this game. All right, this, this, is,
3: a, this is a tough one, but I'm, I'm looking at my can of, of Colt 45 right here, and it says right here, government warning, one, <laughs> according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects. So, you know, since since 1981, that has been a staple on all your alcoholic beverages. Um, and and also, I might as well read the whole thing while, while we're here. And as we said, you know, we don't condone, you know, uh, drinking and driving. You know, number two, consumption of alcoholic beverages impairs your ability to drive a car or operate machinery and may cause health problems. We'll just throw that in at the end, just just in case you didn't know. <laughs> so I got to. I gotta give it. I gotta give it to wow. Mark, the the Surgeon General warning. You know it. It's iconic. You see it on everything uh, alcohol related. They finally figured out in 1981 <laughs> that yeah, you you probably shouldn't drink if you're pregnant. We we don't know what's gonna happen.
1: <laughs> wow. All right, man. So I pick up the victory in this bodacious booze battle. Thanks a lot, Bumwine Bob, for coming in and being the judge on this one, man.
3: Oh, thank, thank you guys. And and Man Crush started off hot, and then Mark, you came in at the end with some with some great uh, points, and 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 Drew, hey, you you tried your hardest. I showed up today. That was it. yeah. I think it's because I think it's because of the dry January that kind of screwed you. I think, I think it threw me off my game. You didn't have that alcohol in your veins.
1: You got to put the research in, Drew. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've been putting my
3: a uh, fair amount of research in this past year. I was going to say, I mean, I, I don't blame you for the dry January. I mean, I think... I needed a reset. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I probably drank a lot more than usual with, <laughs> last year, and I was like... And I, I kind of tried to... I've been trying to kind of scale it back, you know, so far, you know. saying I, you know, I won't drink every day. I'll take to the weekend, and then, oh, you know, Thursday. Yep. Um, and Then maybe Monday, and then, you know, okay, so Tuesday and Wednesday, you have those two days, you know, of maybe not drinking, but then you like, nah, yeah, screw it. I'll have one beer, you know. So, you know, it's all about moderation, folks. You know.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. What are you guys doing on the show coming up? Uh, well, we're we're doing some some
3: uh, promotions. We're working um with the we do over at bumwinebob.com. We have our BWB wrestling division where um we have a great team of people that are doing some recaps. Um, they're doing some Twitch streams. We're doing promotions for the Game Changer wrestling event that's coming up. We're promoting uh, one of their hours. They're doing a 24-hour event that bumwinebob.com is uh, promoting part of that. Um, there's a few other events going on. And then just with the podcast, you know, just bringing some people on, having some drinks, talking about the the classic bum wines, your MD2020s, your Ciscos, your Night Trains, your Thunderbird, Uh, Wild Irish Rose. You got your classic malt liquors, your Colt 45. Uh, So anything cheap booze related, uh, you come over to bumwinebob.com. We we have you covered with with all the good classics that you grew up on. (laughs) You know, as Man Crush said, you drank that Cisco, you drank that MD 2020, and maybe you want to relive that one more time yeah you, know, you come on down i'll I'll drink it for you if you don't want to <laughs> but but yeah yeah we're just you know keeping it open keeping it keeping it fun you know we don't i don't take myself too seriously when it comes to that stuff uh just trying to have some fun and see where the road takes us
2: you wouldn't consider yourself like a malt liquor snob then you just is there anything like if you'll look down at somebody if you see them drinking like a I don't even know, like a Blue Raz Mad Dog 2020. You're like, ah, oh, dude, what are you doing?
3: No, not not me. I I I say, you know, it's a judgment-free zone when it comes to to drinking. I mean, I know, you know, I, I'm not a fan of you know most craft beers or IPAs or things like that, but I'll dabble in them from time to time. But if that's your thing, hey, you know, go for it, uh, drink it. We like to keep it on that that cheaper side, cheap booze, budget beers, the hams. Um, like we said,
2: well, give us a gem, give a give our audience a gem that they would never expect. That they were like just walk past it every day in the liquor store. That they were just like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> that's really good. That they're wrong about because I know uh, there's always something out there that's just yeah like, wow, yeah.
3: Uh, man, I'm trying trying to think of what could be. I mean. I don't want to say any four locos, but you know sometimes you can't go wrong with a four loco if if it's in a if you're having one drink and you want to get your buzz going, you know the four loco gold is their is their answer to like a red Bull and vodka flavor they they don't they don't say that, but if you drink it, you can, you can taste it and it's kind of become one of their best-selling flavors is the Four loco Gold, and that's always been a big hit on the website. That's one of the, the top posts I did. This was back in uh, Christmas 2015 was when I did it as my malt beverage of the week. I did the Four Loco Gold, and since then, that has been the number one post on the website. So people wow. are searching for it. People want to find out what it is. When you just name a drink, you know, gold, you know, you don't know what the <laughs> hell it is. <laughs> it's
2: just a <laughs> golden anniversary, right? Right,
3: and then the MD Twenty Twenty did it this past year. They did MD Twenty Twenty Gold. You know, for for their thing. So, so yeah, that that's one. If you, it's it's mostly at every liquor store you go to, you should see an MD Twenty. Uh, I mean, a uh, Four loco Gold sitting in the cooler. I mean, give it a shot. You know, spend the you know two bucks. You know, fourteen <laughs> percent alcohol it'll get you a good buzz
2: i've never had four loco in my life obviously i've read a lot about it and i've seen you know like all the problems they had with it and i think it was even banned in the city for a while yeah the
3: i mean after they i mean they they banned the the original four loco with the caffeine and that stuff you know i think that was probably like 10 or so years ago wow. and then they had to kind of revamp it and they just instead of the caffeine they just threw in a lot more sugar uh, (laughs) instead.
2: so now it's like jolt. Yeah. Yeah. It'll it'll get you
3: that, that amped up, you know, buzz. So I always say, you know, one for loco, you'll be all right. If you try to drink more than one in a sitting, that's when you might end up with some, some issues, either the, you know, the, the heartburn, you know, we've all had that, the heartburn, the, the reflux that you get from drinking certain things, or you'll just start throwing up and nobody wants that.
2: <laughs> so if you compared like a four loco to a Cisco, like and Cisco's a ten, where's four loco at?
3: Uh I'd say uh six.
2: Oh wow, yeah, it's mean, that weak? I thought it was like way worse. Yeah.
3: It, it, it's different. I mean it's it's a different type of alcohol, it's a different buzz you get from it. I mean the Cisco's eighteen percent it's uh, technically, you know, a wine, so it has higher alcohol content. It's got that thick, syrupy, you know, Ugh. flavor to it. I mean, I, you're cringing, you you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. I asked my wife before, and she was just like, "Don't even show me the picture."
3: Yeah, and then and then the Four loco has that, you know, the carbonated. You'll still get that buzz, that that burning sensation, you know, going down. You know, it's still fourteen percent, but it's a fourteen percent you know malt beverage, so it's not quite as strong as that eighteen percent wine.
2: Good to know. Yeah. You just sold me on it, so I might be doing that this weekend. Hey, give it a just shot. Just you know, experimental, yeah. uh, just to see. It's know? all
1: it's all for science, man. Yeah, forty two <laughs> <Yeah>. years old. <laughs> why not? The four loco works really good as a mixer. You can do that too. Yeah, throw a few shots of moonshine in that. You're ready to go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like hopping gator
1: yeah it does <laughs> mix it with your
2: favorite drink it's twice the drink
3: I, I when you started talking about that hopping gator i'm like man it's i would like to you try this out, dude. i was like damn
2: it why was i not there
3: or even with for the revival they had of it i'm like why nobody tell me about this?
2: <laughs> All I could think about, if if people go back to our past episodes, we had uh, Josh Makuga on from uh, Eating History. And they've, they've drank, you know, and ate everything that they find. And I was like, man, if I could find this, I still want to contact Josh and be like, dude, you guys have to drink this. <laughs> but every single can that was on, and it must be like a legal thing because every can that was on eBay was already drained.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: So... But they were sealed on the top, so I guess they're just opening Yeah, I think the, that's the what they do. they do.
3: They just poke the bottom of it, drain it out, because you can't send actual right. you know, liquid in there. So it's like, oh, you can have the can to look at, but it's not fun.
2: No, not at all. So if anybody knows a place where you can get Hopping Gator, contact us, and we're going to send it right over to Bob. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, dude, thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thank you,
3: guys. Yeah, good chatting. Yes. Thanks. Thanks guys. You know, I appreciate it. Um, it's been a long time coming. We finally, <laughs> finally did it. <laughs> uh, good, good
1: times. <laughs> All right, duelers. Well, unfortunately we're going to have to end this episode right here, but thanks again for Bumwine Bob, for coming in. You can check out his show bumming with Bobcat. Make sure you subscribe to that and also subscribe to songs gone wrong. The great podcast from Mr. Drew Zachman, the professor. And if you've missed one of our episodes, you can always head over to DuelingDecades.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, really everywhere podcasts are available. And then while you're on those interwebs, head on over to Facebook.com forward slash DuelingDecades where you can join our private group and share some of your very own retro memories. So until next time, Duelers, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone.
3: Podcast New York, York. be heard.